Hello, this is Netflix's, HBO's, and internationally successful comedian Daniel Sloss's voice here to help promote Brad Scott's, I don't know what it's called, whatever his new fucking thing is, whatever this new fucking thing is that he's doing, this thing that you're listening to, I endorse it uh, because despite the fact that very little that he's done has gone well, I still believe in the cunt, so... Hopefully this is it. Hopefully this is the thing you need. Enjoy, enjoy the podcast, the show, the f- whatever this fucking is. Enjoy it. Oh, that is accurate. Perfect. Because <laughs> so this is going to be part of uh, like I'm doing like these kind of stand up one on one type things. Uh, okay. For new comics, and so we'll probably talk. It'll be more along those lines. I want to talk to you about how you got into comedy. Um, being the house MC of Dr. Grind and kind of the differences between when you're MCing and featuring or headlining. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. It's been so long. Been so long since you've done comedy. No, 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 no. Like um, featured or headlined regularly. Cause oh, I've just okay. been house MC, uh, you know, for the last, year pretty much exclusively i've had a couple shows where i've done feature headline but yeah because my whole thing is like it's it's basically a pay cut when i go anywhere else so oh no shit yeah are you do you get paid more so. than most mcs like if the, if you're not emceeing that week uh i think so maybe um because my price is reflected what it was at chicago zanies when i did it years ago and i was like we got to up the mc thing because they get paid more than me and then they did and then COVID hit and then we shut down and then when we came back i got a little more but i mean yeah so it's like if i feature like one show Okay, 75 bucks. I'm like, well, I make more than that on Saturday. <laughs> so, no thanks. And then it's like, oh, is there a hotel? No, you get to sleep in your car. The Subjective Comedy Podcast with Brad Scott. Brad Scott is a mediocre comedian, an annoying podcast host, and worst of all, my dad. Pray for me. Downloading the premiere episode of The Showdown. And uh, we. The showdown! <laughs> Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode of WrestleMania, your father's favorite podcast. And your mom hates it. The Brad Scott Experience, Brad Scott's Redemption. Welcome to Brad Scott Live. Subjective comedy starts right now. It was originally just called Stand Up, You Lazy Piece of Shit. Uh, let's just do like a, a bison. A bison? How are you going to fit a bison? Yeah, no Crazy. way in hell a bison just can live in here. Be like an old bison, like adopted old, you know, that bad knees. <laughs> what? A dying bison? Uh, fuck off. Who doesn't like The Simpsons? Do 
do me a favor. If you do, if you guys do want to hit the stuff, of course, then I just be careful. Don't upset it. You wouldn't like this. Weed. Oh, I wouldn't. Episode. Because that's that Bruce Banner. Welcome to Subjective Comedy. I am Brad Scott. Ellie is still out. She will be back soon. I am joined by our producer, The Money, and we are very excited to have our guest on today. I met him a few years back when I was at a club called Dr. Grins in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It is by far one of the best comedy clubs in the country, and he is the house MC. Welcome, Garrett Elzinga. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Now, how did you get into comedy, Garrett? Oh, man. Um, it was I was 15 and I was watching just Comedy Central all the time. Uh, so it was like 2006, I think it was. But yeah, just Comedy Central present specials. They had them all the time. So I that watched is them how, constantly. Yeah, that is how I, uh, when I started, I was, I was obsessed with those, especially when they do those marathons and it's like eight hours. And that was back in the day when you had some of the biggest comics in the world now doing these half hours. Jim yeah. Gaffigan, Mitch Hedberg, uh, Bill Burr, tons of guys. What was some of the Comedy Central presents that influenced you and made you decide to try? <laughs> all those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Regan. Yeah. Uh, Dane Cook, Louis C.K., Maria Bamford, like Greg Giraldo, just all those guys. And, um, you know, obviously there was less women, but Maria Bamford was always a standout for me. I loved her. And yeah, I was like, I wonder if there's comedy around me. So then <laughs> I Googled, uh, or I think it was like before I even had, I had like an AOL internet disc. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll just use the phone book. And then I looked up, comedy club and then grand rapids came up uh or dr grins came up so then i called and i was like is there an age limit to perform and they're like yeah 18 and i'm like well i'm 14 so, <laughs> and so did i entered you have to the wait? talent show at school and then i think the next year i was in the talent show again and i was like on a whim i'm gonna call dr grins again and see so i was 15 at that time and then i ended up talking to the the MC at that time, he was also the manager of the club. And he said, no, there's no age limit. So come on down. I'm like, I'm 15. He's like, that's fine. So I go <laughs> to the next Thursday. And then I was doing open mic since then. And how long before you started working there? Oh, man. Um, so I started filling in as MC because Stu McAllister was the, the previous MC. I love that I Stu the McAllister. Most. Stu, you should get him on here. Uh, he he doesn't do comedy anymore, but I'm sure oh. he would talk talk about it. Uh, so how? So you said uh, when was that that you started kind of filling in for him? Oh, yeah, I started filling in for him uh, when I was like I think 19 maybe, and then I moved to New York at like 25, and then I moved back with my tail between my legs, and then the next <laughs> year after that, I think I started like 27, so it was 2016. And, that's when i took over as like house mc and now so i think in our country like we do with most things we view things very strangely right like um for those who don't know in america the mc is viewed as typically 
local only guy, the worst comic on the show. He's just the the yeah. opening act. Whereas Canada, Europe, all these other places, a lot of times the MC is not only one of the most seasoned comedians on the show, they're usually one of the best because it is fundamentally outside of the the headliner to deliver on the longest part of the show, the MC is the most vital part That's of the work. show. Yeah. It is controlling the crowd, making sure the show flows perfectly, making sure, um, you know, just everything kind of runs score. And that's how they mm. view it uh, in every other place but America. Have you mm. noticed some of that stigma that's been attached here, Garrett? I feel like when I started, I felt that. But now that I've been there for a while, I've kind of um, fallen into what my role is. And I acknowledge it and subvert it by like just being good (laughs) you know i I featured and i've headlined so i know what it's like to be in those positions as well but like being the mc is it's a completely different beast and one thing i've noticed too is like not trying to control the show in the way that it's not supposed to go because there's only a there's only a finite amount of ways that a crowd can act like maybe they want to be talked to Mm -hmm. maybe they don't want to be talked to maybe they want to be razzed maybe they don't want to be razzed maybe they're like really drunk but attentive maybe they're super high and quiet (laughs) it's like you if they're high and quiet you can't treat them like they're drunk and off the wall because if you do that then you're going to set up the show for failure so you have to assess that when you get on and that's one thing that i've been doing lately and then you have like you know, there's you know the bachelorette parties or whatever else going on. You got to handle them. And... Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the thing too. It's like anyone can throw it off the rails or ruin it. And it's like I, when I get, I'm like I have to assess who's going to be a problem. And if no one's going to be a problem, fantastic. I don't want to make them a problem. Right. Well, no, that it, the MC is not just the hardest job because you're the first person up. So you're going up to a cold audience that has not heard a joke yet. But also, mm-hmm. you're fighting the stigma that comes with that. Yep. And then to to be the house MC, you're going to have a lot of people who have come to multiple shows. Mm-hmm. So you can't get up and do the same 10, 15 minutes every single show. It actually puts a lot more pressure on you to constantly be writing and constantly be coming up with new stuff. Have you found uh, that? Have you found that to be true? Yeah, I try to make new stuff, but uh, any new stuff, uh, it just kind of becomes soapboxy. And I'm like, people just (laughs) stare at me where I'm like, no, this is wrong. This is an injustice. And they're like, yeah, but we just we don't care. And then I'm like, "Okay, fine. And then I'll go to like my old stuff that works. And they're like, see, you are funny. I'm like, God damn it. I'm so sick of telling these same jokes. But uh, I've just been so angry lately, Um, you know politically religiously all that stuff that's going on in the world and then it's like it kind of comes out and i kind of get some people on my side and i feel like so many people are just afraid to laugh now and i'm like no we yes. can laugh at the january 6 rioters like they're, <laughs> they're idiots like laugh come on and they're like i don't i have like safety net lines where i'm like oh i'm sorry i'm talking about your uncles and then everyone laughs, laughs. Yeah. and i'm like see that's <laughs> that's what i'm talking about well, you're also Bye. speaking to a comedian who's also the father of a transgender child in Indiana and will oh, yeah. not hide that fact on stage. So I I feel the eye rolls as soon as I go into that material coming from the audience. 
it's so annoying because like I can sense it when I'm up there. I'm like, okay, half of you want to laugh, but you're afraid. Yeah. And the other half are triggered. And I'm like, it's ironic that the ones that are like free speech, open mind or closed mind are the ones that are so triggered. But you yeah. know, and it's that weird thing where you're like trying to play to both of them, but they both need to hear it. <laughs> it's so odd. Brad was talking about the sigma, just of the you know the MCE being the low main on the totem pole, whatever. Um, I think other comics do that to MCs too much too. It's like, oh, like you're not even supposed to be funny. Like, how's that different uh-huh. with you? Like uh, where you're like the house MC, which is you know you're not just you know some kid who's doing the MC work, whatever. Like that's what you know, you know there is some prestige with that. I get you know I imagine you know that you're there, like you're established, like. Do you still feel any of that, like uh, with people coming through, kind of, um, you know, just being, you know, just the MC stigma, or do they give you your proper respect? Other comments. Yeah, by by the end of Thursday, it's typically like, <laughs> oh, are you here the whole weekend? Like hoping that <laughs> I, I hope you'll be here because yeah. that was good. Yeah. Um, and then what else? They say, uh. Like it's it's almost good job like that weird inflection yeah, yeah. <laughs> where they're like why are you You're surprised like, yeah oh you expected me to be bad even though we've met like four times I've just had different <laughs> the whole time so yeah have you have, have what have you had any features or headliners who have kind of treated you poorly yeah I won't name names but um yeah there was a guy recently where I his. I had to say his specials name and I wrote it down and then I I flubbed it, but I like saved it. I made a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, it, it wasn't reflecting on him negatively. It was like, I'm, I'm a yeah. dumbass basically. Yeah. And then he gets up on stage and like throws me under the bus. And I was like, okay, well, I, I've met you. I think this is the <laughs> third time working with him, and he just didn't remember me. I'm like, oh, you're a piece of shit. One hundred percent. I, I, I was a uh, for a long time. I was not the house MC, but I was by far one of the most frequently Sta- used MCs. Yeah. At uh, yeah, like stable, stable of MCs. Yes. Rotating. And I was at Crackers, and uh, I just I I remember that like my biggest pet peeve is the comic who goes up. Uh, after you introduce him, give it up for your host. Oh, motherfucker! This is Saturday, goddamn it! We have yeah. been fucking working together for four days now. You know my goddamn yep. it! It's it's so belittling and just dismissive. You picked yep. him up from the airport. Yeah. Has, is there anything else like? That? Is there any other type of pet peeves that you have? That one's good. Um, I so I also I still wear the mask. Uh, I still wear the COVID mask and people uh, when they get in, a lot of people are like, are you sick? People always ask me if I'm sick. I'm like, no, I just don't want, I, I, you might be, I just don't want to get it. <laughs> but it's like, it's a common, like every week just feels the same. Cause it's always like surprised. I'm funny. Are you sick? Uh, all that stuff. And I'm like, and then a lot of the time too, like by Saturday, they'll be like, Oh, I don't feel good. Like they're sick. Or I'm like, yeah, you probably flew on a plane, got sick. I'm like, I haven't been sick in like three years. So <laughs> mask work. What have you, it's so funny. what, what have been the biggest, uh, challenges that you have found with just comedy in general? Oh man. Um, proving your worth. Uh, that's definitely one where 
I, I mean, I've been doing it for 17 years, like nearly two decades, like since the first time I stepped on stage. And it's like, obviously it's not consistently that long, but it's probably consistently like, you know, 12. But um, just like, I, I have so much material and it's mm -hmm. hard to do all of it cohesively like just as the mc yeah and oh like, yeah 100%. i just want to headline i want to get to the next level but it's like i gotta put in the specific kind of work now in like the internet day and age i'm like i gotta put clips out and then i've been editing mm -hmm. clips for other people and by the end of doing that i'm like i don't want to edit my own <laughs> i'm done i'm sick of this <laughs> i just want to tell jokes that's it what kind of advice would you give for like new comics who maybe are just now getting into open mics, kind of establishing themselves in their local scene? What advice would you get to kind of transition more from open mic to working for a club? Uh, man, I would say just don't, don't be in a rush to do everything that other people are doing like sam Morill, mark norman they'll put you know clips out every day don't do that <laughs> you're just starting and you you don't want to put your stuff out there before it's too you know before it's seasoned basically yeah four minutes of material um, yeah not only that well, i mean if you have 10 minutes of material and it's all available online, then the people who are like i like this 10 minutes and then they show up and it's like ah that's the only 10 minutes yeah yeah there's a lot of people that do that too. And it's, and that the problem with that, like what I've noticed is you'll get huge and then you'll start selling out places. Tickets are expensive and then people go and then they're like, that was terrible. And then <laughs> you will never get booked there again. You'll lose your audience because you were bad. And it's like, that's what happens when you haven't been doing it for longer mm -hmm. than, you know, three years. And mm -hmm. I, I, I do see that happen. I see it happening now with like people that blow up on TikTok. Oh, 100%. Same thing mm. with like oh, yeah. anyone who is former celebrity from X era who's now mm -hmm. doing the comedy club circuit. It's always kind of a hit or miss as to what kind of a show they're going to do. I think the smarter ones tend to to typically stand, uh, tend to stick with like stories about what yes. they were famous for mm -hmm. and then like a Q&A or something and then you'll see some of the ones who are trying to be a comedian. It's like, you're just doing street jokes with fake stories you've attached around yeah. it. Yep. I think the wrestlers have done that the best of just saying, just doing the stories. Like, I'm not a comic. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you some funny shit, and then we all hang out. 100%. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, what else would, what else would you want as a performer? And then what else would you want as an audience member? Like, exactly. people go and see Mick Foley over and over again, because they're like, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. And he's a fun storyteller. Like, that's what you got to be if you're doing that. Mm -hmm. But man, uh, so many people high and mighty and just edgelordy. There's so much like <laughs> edgelord comedy now too. I'm like, oh my God, why are you trying to hurt people's feelings? I mean, yeah. some people deserve it. Like... I think if you're punching up, but like if you're just mm -hmm. punching down to be like, I'm going to pick on midgets. You're like, why? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's been done. Well, and a, a lot of people, I think, it's just because they don't know they're they're from an entertainment mm -hmm. industry, but a, a, being a comic is a different ball game altogether. It is even different. I mean, look what happened to Michael Richards. 
The reason Michael Richards <laughs> flipped out is because he's not a stand-up comic. He is a comedic person. He's a comedic personality, comedic actor, but it is a different ballgame when you're dealing with the live audience. And it, it yep. really showed, and that's how yeah. those kind of catastrophes happen. It's someone who's not prepared. And you yep. got to build that order. 100%. Like, like, yeah, that's... It. I have a when whenever someone's oh like I'm funny I can do stand up whatever like it's different up there man like when you're just shooting the shit with your friends they already know you there's some context when you have to create mm-hmm. you have to create it all you know to I begin w- with it's it's different I always uh, tell people who tell me that they're interested in doing stand up mm-hmm. I go okay well have you ever been in a situation where it's like you and maybe five or six friends and you guys are all sitting around telling stories and you have this amazing story that you're gonna tell them and you just you know it's gonna be so fucking funny. And you get two minutes into that story and you realize you have no idea that this is going anywhere and it is terrible and everybody is standing there and it is awkward. I'm like, if you can get through that and want to tell another story, you could start doing stand up because that's basically what the the low point of it is. Now, I think one of the things I also tell new comics, one of the most important things that people overlook is networking. Yes. Networking is one of the most fundamental ways that you move up in this industry. And honestly, I think the MC has the best shot at like network is for one, you're working with everybody. And um, I don't know if you guys do other transportation or if you actually pick up the comics, but when I was at crackers going and picking up a headliner from the hotel and driving them to the club and back and forth was an amazing opportunity. I had to kind of build that bond. Oh, for sure. We, uh, our hotel is right across the street. Um, and then they get compensated for Uber, uh, from the airport. So the one chance I really have is like between shows, uh, before or after shows. And then also, um, we do morning media sometimes on Friday. So I'll take them to the radio station and that that's about it. I mean, I've been, I've been mostly just relying on doing a good job and then like (laughs) hoping that they'll reply to my Instagram message. If I send it to them, I've been (laughs) really not focusing on the, that aspect of it, which I used to, and I've made connections from the past, but Mm -hmm. it's mostly now I'm just like, I I just need a paycheck. (laughs) So that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) Uh, What? So let's say we're, uh, Let's say there, we have a, a, a new comic listening who just started emceeing at their club. What are some of kind of the, the fundamental tips you would give somebody who just started emceeing? Uh, man, just started. Um, don't necessarily worry about being funny. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it's not the number one job of the MC to be funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one job is to just keep the show on the rails, like keep it going smoothly. So, you know, I mean, you're going to have hecklers. And I think the <laughs> best way to handle hecklers is like to give them enough rope to hang themselves with. Yes. Cause I used to just blow up and then emceeing really helped me be like, well, I'm going to be with these people the whole show. <laughs> uh, and the headliner is going to have to mop up if it happens between the feature or the feature is going to have to mop up and they're supposed to have the easiest job on the show. So if I tank it, you know, four minutes in, yeah, like this is going to be a rough hour and a half <laughs> for everybody. Um, also, if you, if you can with hecklers, this is another way is like get everybody else in the room on 
your side mm-hmm. so they also hate the heckler yes. and then get them booted somehow and that is one uh, of the best feelings in the world is when someone does heckle and you kind of start to go back at them and you feel that the rest of the audience is on your side oh, mwah, oh such yeah. a great fucking it feel. feels so good i i i'll be honest i i can't remember when it was but it might have been like maybe a year into me being house mc but Someone got booted during my set. <laughs> and it was like, front? dude, you didn't even make it nine <laughs> minutes into the show. <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. Well, do you remember drunk, what they were doing? Drunk as shit at an early show. I'm like, oh my God, bye. Do you remember what they were doing to get kicked out? Just talking, yelling, like being mean. And then they're like, even their own, it's when they're so bad that their own party is yes. like trying to disown them. They're like, yeah. Nate can leave. Uh, <laughs> no, no thanks. Uh, do you do a lot of independent shows? I I used to. The last show I headlined was in March, and it was it was like Southern Michigan. So I'm I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but it was like Southern Michigan in Three Oaks, and that was like an independent produced show at a um, distillery, and that was great. But I I really haven't done much else. Uh, I've noticed a lot of like the one thing I, I that's hard when you do an independent show is like you said, it was great, but that's a gamble because a lot of independent mm-hmm. shows are either run by newer comics um, or if it's just like kind of a, a bar setting up a comedy night, people might yeah. have experience in show production, but it's usually bands and stuff like that. And comedy is a completely different type of show that you have to set up, especially in a non-comedy club environment. And I've just, I found over the years, a lot of people don't pay attention to enough of those little details to kind of make the show run smoothly. And so like things like turning off the TVs, shutting down pool tables, making sure that the bathroom isn't located literally where people have to walk directly in front of the stage, all these little details coming together. Uh, Advertising that it's a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. You have people that show up just to be at a bar and now they're almost hostages in our one hour, uh, you know, telling them about why their political ideas are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's ambush comedy. There's nothing worse. <laughs> uh, I feel so bad for like, I, I've had shows where I have done that, where you get up and I'm like, where's the stage? And they're like, oh, it's there. And you look and I'm like, yeah, people are still eating dinner. There's kids here. This is, do they know it's going to happen? There's not a poster in the joint. And you get up there and everyone just stares at you with like salad in their mouths. And I'm like, oh, it's the first course. Oh, no. We have the waitress standing right in front of you as you're trying to tell oh. jokes. Taking orders yeah. loudly. Oh, like, my, oh, my God. That is, that is so that's maybe the most frustrating thing is when you're on stage and you can hear the voice and you turn to kind of start to address it, and you're like, God damn it, it's the staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, because you really can't. I had that. Yeah, you can't break them. What did you do in that situation? I always just cower in fear. I profusely apologize. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I, I mean, I don't, it, it's like a situation that happens so infrequently. But now that it's happened once, I just assume everyone talking is ordering. <laughs> Um, so being that you're now in your your house MC, so you're at the club, you get the kind of uh, even behind the other comic scene type stuff. What are the things that you've noticed that piss off the staff of a comedy club that comics do so that maybe somebody listening can avoid that? Like, what are the the, the top things that comics do that annoy the staff while they're at a club? People going long. 
Uh, I've seen that so much lately um, where it's just like we, people want to go home, man. Yeah. Like if you want to go long, just tell the club you want to do an hour. Yeah. Mm. Like just tell, cause then we can all cut time. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I kind of handle the times of the shows too. So naturally it's like typically on a Friday, Saturday, it's going to be 15, uh, 25 and then 45. That's just the typical, what we've set up now. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to do an hour, it's like, okay, I'll do eight to 10 and then feature will do 20 and then you can do an hour. So it's going to be roughly an hour, 30 hour, 40, depending. Yeah. But it's like, we've all done enough time. And then now it's like eating into the other show. And I'm like, Jesus, it happens a lot. Yeah. And I've seen, and I don't, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I don't know like what it is, but like everyone's doing it. It used to be like three comics a year. And now it's like, you know, every other weekend. Well, yeah, I've, I've seen headliners have a great set for 45 minutes, but then they want to do that hour and 10 and you could just, you can feel the energy in the room just kind of, you know, just being let out. And especially when they get towards it, and I've seen it happen a couple of times to headliners, but this mostly happens with like uh, features and like bar shows uh, that I'm actually following, which is annoying. They realize that they already fucking used their closer and should have gotten off then. And so now <laughs> they're just searching to go out on a laugh, but yeah. nothing uh-huh. seems to work. And so it just gets drunk. And it just, yeah, it makes the entire show now like they, the audience doesn't leave with the experience of that was a fucking amazing show. Mm-hmm. They leave tired. And that's. The yeah. last thing that they're going to remember about comedy. Yeah, after that ninety it's minutes, like going so to, like it's, it's oh, done. go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah, just like after that, you know, ninety minutes, whatever is like, we're all ready to be done. Like, that's the like perfect setup for a comedy show. After that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like a movie too. I mean, yeah. it, it's almost like going to a movie and then seeing the climax and then the the falling action, and you're like, oh, we're good. And then it's like. You get seat belted in to watch the end credits. You're like, I want this. To be a <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this. And yeah, I'm, that's what it feels like. And then I get on stage as MC and I'm like, thanks for coming out, everybody. And people are already standing. Mm-hmm. The lights yeah. haven't even come on yet. I'm like, oh, they want to leave. What's the craziest thing you've seen happen during a show? Whether it's a uh, comic, whether it's an audience member. Like when I was at Crackers one time, I think it was actually the last night that the uh, old downtown Crackers was uh, and going. Yeah, it was, it was the last, it was the Saturday. So the last, very last night of a downtown Crackers show. And in like, I would say in between the feature and headliner, all of a sudden we just heard this huge crash. Somebody had gone into the men's room and didn't want to pay their bill, so they were trying to escape oh. through the ceiling. Yeah, I was there. And because the ceiling <laughs> were just these shit tiles, drop they ceiling. came back down crashing through. Trying to crawl through oh. a drop ceiling. <laughs> that was hilarious. Where were they going to go? I have like... no clue. I, I think they were just trying to get away from hearing any more of my act. But <laughs> oh. <laughs> but what's the craziest, wow. situa- what's the craziest scenario you've had over there, Dr. Grids? I'm trying – there was a lady – who she walked into the um so we have like a swinging door situation where the waitresses come out of and everyone thinks that's where the bathrooms are so now i have to make it a part of my (laughs) announcements to be like bathrooms are not through there they're through the other doors that are over there (laughs) and i point and i go everyone got it got it 
but I have to do that now because there was a lady so emphatic that they were through the original doors that you come through and they're not. That's where the waitresses come. And they have like trays of drinks, like tons of stuff. So they have to use their feet. This girl kicks the door open and this lady is like leading with her face and just gets whacked right in the face and broke her nose and it had to be handled by corporate and all that stuff. But that was the wildest and that so she Night. was in the showroom when that happened, right? She was in the showroom. No one like saw it or heard it. Oh, but we really? all like, you know, everyone like in the back of the room because you saw the like glasses tumble to the ground. There's a big loud crash. Like her nose, you know, probably made a <laughs> horrible sound in her head. But um, and then she was like stumbling down and like making a big scene about it, which I mean I get, but at the like, why are you falling down? And, uh, <laughs> It was just like, because well, so, she, we were like, you should go to the hospital, or the, and then I think she like, she like twisted her ankle, and that's why she was falling down, or maybe that was another lady. But people, people don't know how to drink in this city. People, <laughs> she's falling down like a it. soccer player. <laughs> yeah, she's faking that it, just trying wild. to extend the show. Yeah. Uh, what have you found that any difficulties maybe early on in balancing? the responsibilities of the MC, but also wanting to just do jokes. Cause you're right. As an MC, you have to do announcements. You have to, you know, it's not just telling jokes. So is there kind of yeah. a balance you had to find initially, or, I mean, I'm sure you probably have your rhythm down now at this point. Yeah. If, if people want to listen, I have an album on Bandcamp exclusively. There's a big whole reason it used to be on everything, but then there's some, you know, law that gets in whatever. But it's on Bandcamp. It's called Bullet Biter, the MC Sessions. So I took a bunch of shows of me emceeing, and I stitched them together to make it sound like one seamless show. So it's a lot of me talking to I crowd. I remember that, yes. Yeah, and then the end, like, the the first half is crowd stuff, and then the second half is, like, jokes or jokes that didn't go well. <laughs> um, it's really fun, and I'm very proud of it. But, uh, yeah, since then, I've cut a lot of the stuff of talking to crowd members because I was told like, because the building is located in, you know, there's a bunch of restaurants, there's a mm -hmm. dance club. It, it's the like Bob. four levels of depression. It's the Bob. Yeah. Yeah. So I was told to like, you have to address parties to get them not talking and get all that stuff out of the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And then that manager left. And then I'm like, I'm going to toy with not doing that every show. And then I still did well. The show still did well. I'm like, okay, so the majority of people don't want to make the show all about them. Yeah. So now I've just kind of picked and chose what groups need to be addressed. And that's what I'm doing now. So like, you know, four out of the five shows, I won't have to address anybody up front. I'll just go into my act. And then one show, I'm like, okay, there's a bachelorette party. There's two birthday parties. <laughs> there's like a bunch of reservations. I see sashes and tiaras. They need to be addressed. 21st birthday. And then I do that, and then everything's fine. And, uh, yeah, because crowd work, you know, it's I think it's what people think of when they think of an MC. But I remember when I was uh, starting out MCing years ago, like I was told by several headliners, don't do crowd work. They're like, I was told this the best metaphor and i wish i could credit to who it was but i don't remember a headliner told me crowd work is like talking to a vampire 
<laughs> they sometimes can't come into the show, but once you do crowd work, you are inviting them into your home, and that mm-hmm. is when they are going to suck your blood. Because not only 100%. is that person comfortable talking to the stage, the other people in the audience think this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So if I have a thought pop in my head, I should yell it out to the comics. 100%. And that's the caveat I always say. I'm like, all right, we're going to get your guys' talking out of the way right now. Who yeah. you're, you're, You guys have something, right? And then I'll, uh, now I'll kind of like pick and choose who I'm going to talk to. And I'll be like, and that's it. And then it, you know, that that is another thing that's like annoyed me personally. Because uh, people will like set their cameras up trying to get clips for the internet. Uh, yeah. And then they're like going into the crowd like, oh, so where do you, where do you, like they're trying to, they're trying to goat these people oh, and like get stuff out of them. And I'm like, ah, oh, please stop doing that. Oh, just like for the now reels? I've seen more people. Yeah. Now I have to squash more people because they mm-hmm. just they they see it on the internet. So now I've been writing bits about that. I'm like, we need to stop talking to you guys. But uh, <laughs> Drew Lynch uh, is, I think, one of the best crowd work comics in the country. I think it's him and Big J Okerson. Uh, and mm-hmm. I remember Drew had started posting these videos where he was like going after hecklers, and I think he'd been doing it for about two or three months uh, when before we worked together again. And I just mentioned to him, I was like, hey, man, I was like, your your heckler videos are doing really well. And he was like, yeah, but the problem is now people are showing up and heckling because they want to be in one of those videos. Yeah. And if you uh, if you go through and look, the there's one uh, that he has where uh, it's a it's an all blue background, and he starts talking to this guy. And what had happened was the guy. It was these two guys uh, and their dates. These two girls. The guys have been talking throughout the entire show. So Drew, uh, they went to the restroom. Drew kind of starts talking to the two girls that are there. Then, in the middle of something, they come back in. I think it was right when Drew was about to do his merch. And they walked back in right at the perfect time for, like, the whole crowd to laugh because he had just talked to the two girls. Mm-hmm. And I think Drew had said something along the lines of, like, the two guys went to the bathroom together. You know, some dumb shit just doing crowd work. And the guy got mad and to the <laughs> point where he started threatening Drew. And, like, it's one of the best things you'll see because you actually – I very rarely have ever seen Drew mad. And he kind of just started – he tried to just address it at first, and the guy said something else, and he literally slams the mic down, down, mic stand down, and he goes, all right, well, let's talk about it. And he goes into this entire monologue about how, hey, I get it. You're here just to have fun, but what you don't fucking understand is so is everyone else, and when you guys are talking, of course, you're not necessarily heckling at the stage, but just your talking is now distracting everybody around, and he goes through this mm-hmm. whole beautiful silly... And he ends up fist bumping the guy and giving him a T-shirt at the end of the video. And he get I'm, that was at the Helium, uh, the new Helium Club in India. It was like yeah. I think it was maybe the third or fourth show. They didn't even have the mural painted on the back. Yeah. I'm standing right behind uh, the door listening because I'm like, oh shit! At some point, I might have to go grab uh, oh, Drew. Mm-hmm. Oh, where'd he go? Hello, sorry. Oh, you're good. No, no worries. There we go. There we go. All right, yeah, I'll just I'll I'll retell that story, and then I'm gonna ask you uh, for any final advice uh, for new comics, and then uh, okay. I will promote Bullet Biter, the MC sessions on what you said that was Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp. It'll be on stuff later, but you know. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, then we'll close out. Thank you so much again, by the way. Of this course, thanks for having fun. me, man. Yeah, this, yeah, this has been fun. Brad spoken highly of you, and I see why. All right, here we go. So we'll do like three seconds, and then I'll retell that.
Oh, fuck, though. I don't want to have to tell the whole goddamn thing again. I'll pick it up from where he... No, you know what? Fuck it. This is subjective comedy. We 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 sink into to the fuck-ups. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> first time in history a podcast has had a welcome back in the middle of its show because Zoom only gives you 40 minutes. <laughs> so to finish that story, Drew ends up uh, slamming the mic down. He goes through this whole monologue, ends up fist-bumping the guy. I'm standing behind the door because, you know, if shit goes down, I got to protect the other money. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, it was it was he drew walks out of the the door of, uh, from the stage of helium and he goes, "Do you think I came across as an asshole?" And I go, "No, <laughs> no, I think you just solved your little uh heckler problem." Yeah. And he didn't he, he the heckler problem cleared up after that. So Garrett, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh any advice out there for somebody wanting to start comedy or had just started comedy? Oh, man. Um you it it takes a long time to find your voice uh in the you know typically there there are some people who like have it immediately but i mean the odds that that'll be you is zero um <laughs> so just take your time don't rush uh figure out this is a good one figure out why a joke is funny cuz i think people love writing something and they're mm -hmm. like oh that's funny and then you bring it on stage and it's like, it doesn't get laughs <laughs> or it does, but it's like not for the right reasons, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I think that that's like a definitely a thing that will save you from getting, uh, you know, a ton of people to to hate you. Because, I mean, I do I do like religion jokes and stuff like that. And I'm like, I can pinpoint exactly why I think this is funny. Yeah. And uh I, I just imagine in my head where I ask someone, I'm like, why do you think that's funny? And then they like have a complete meltdown and they're like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know why, why do I have to explain it? And it's like, you don't like, you don't have to, but at the same but time, like, I don't, think that yeah. that, I don't think you'd be able to explain why it is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Garrett. Make sure you check out Bullet Biter, the MC sessions. It's available right now on Bandcamp coming soon to everywhere. Thank you again, Garrett Elzinga, for joining us. And Garrett, you didn't think the show was funny, but... Comedy is subjective. Oh, hey! nailed it! <laughs> That's a fucking pro, ladies and gentlemen.